Welcome again to Abounding Love Podcast. My name is Dave Nelson. We are studying through the book of Acts, and uh, on this podcast, we find ourselves at Acts chapter 13. So please go ahead and grab your Bibles and open them up there to Acts chapter 13. We finished up with chapter 12 on our last podcast, and uh, as always, I encourage you to follow along with us in the Bible so that you know what we're teaching and and uh, you yourself can, can test what we're teaching, okay? But Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now, I want to stop on that verse there for a minute. Last time we were together on the on a podcast here, we looked at Acts chapter 12. And in Acts chapter 12, verse 25, we saw that Barnabas and Saul had now were now taken off again, and they had a, a new guy with them. They had John Mark with them. And here in verse 1, we don't see John Mark mentioned. But that's because he was not one of the prophets and the teachers at Antioch. But there were five other men, or five men total, that were the prophets and the teachers at the church in Antioch. There was not a hierarchy system in place here. Any one of these men could teach at any time. And we need to be careful of that in the body of Christ today, that we don't set up a hierarchy system where one man is lifted up above everyone else. Because what ends up happening is pride either comes into the picture or you just end up with a bunch of spiritually dry people. Several weeks back, we went through a a study on the gifts of the Spirit. And we talked about how everyone has at least one spiritual gift. You see, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, it says that that Jesus ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. You see, Jesus promised that he would send the Holy Spirit, and he did. Now, it is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to give us gifts that the Holy Spirit desires for us to have. You know, and why don't we just go back and refresh our memories on this, because I think it's important as we we read verse 1 here, the point that I'm trying to make is that each and every one of us can contribute to the body of Christ. you got to be careful that you do not put men in a position where they're above you or, you know, and, and, and there's nothing you can do within the body of Christ. Or maybe you say, well, you know, at my church, you know, there's somebody that does the youth ministry and there's somebody that does the children's ministry and this ministry and that ministry. All these ministries are covered. So I don't have anything to do within the body of Christ. But the body of Christ is much larger than that. And you are a part of the body of Christ. So I want us to take a look again, just to refresh our minds on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to go ahead and uh, let's read through the first 11 verses. Okay, and we'll talk about them a little bit as we go. Now it says, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. That's a very important important statement in your Bible right there. 
You should not be ignorant about spiritual gifts. Okay, and you're going to see where spiritual gifts come from. They don't come from other men or women in your life. They come from the Holy Spirit. Okay, verse 2. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. So the Bible is making a clear distinction here between a spirit-led life and a life lived after the flesh. When you walked without being led by the Spirit, you were being carried away to dumb idols. Okay, verse 3, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now let's break that verse down. Okay, it says that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. So no one can walk up to you and tell you that they are speaking by the Spirit of God if the things that are coming out of their mouth are against Jesus or against His Word, right? Pretty simple, isn't it? A tree is known by its fruit. If you walk up to a tree and it has oranges hanging on it, you can be sure it's not an apple tree. By the same token, if you walk up to a person and they have foul language, anger, and hatred coming out of them, they're not being led by the Holy Spirit. Or if they're out tearing other people down, they're not being led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is evidenced by holiness. The spirit of the world is evidenced by worldliness. Then verse 3 goes on to say that no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So this tells us that we need the power of the Holy Spirit to testify to the name of Jesus. And our testimonies to Jesus will be evidenced by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And verse 4 goes on to say, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. So what does that tell you? We are not all the same, are we? The Holy Spirit gives us different gifts. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. You see, God did not make us robots. He made us individuals. We do different things in different places, but it must be the Holy Spirit that leads us in order for us to be effective in the body of Christ. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Verse 7 says, so we each have a different gift, but our gift benefits everyone else. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongue, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So there you have it. The gifts of the Spirit are determined by the Holy Spirit Himself. And He gives these gifts to people as He wills. And as we flip back to Acts chapter 13, verse 1, we see that there were five men capable of teaching the Word at the church in Antioch. God did not set up in Antioch one man to rule over everyone else. 
The body of Christ is full of people that are gifted to teach, gifted to prophesy, gifted to minister, and gifted to do whatever the Holy Spirit wills for a person to do. So don't base your gifts on the establishments of men. You, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, have the ability to serve and to minister to the Lord as much as anyone else in the body of Christ. Now moving on in verse 2 of chapter 13. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So now the Holy Spirit has another work for Barnabas and Saul to do. Their feet were not going to be firmly planted in Antioch. Saul was called by the Lord to go to the Gentiles. Barnabas was an older man and well-respected, and the Holy Spirit sent him with Saul, knowing that Saul needed him. And for you and I, we must be willing to move as the Spirit desires to move us. We must be careful not to become complacent and sit still someplace where we are not being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And if it's our will to sit still, but it's the Holy Spirit's will that we move on, guess what? He'll do whatever it takes to get us to move on. He'll shake things up. But notice here in verse 2 that it says that they were ministering to the Lord and fasting. You see, they were serving the Lord in such a way that they had laid down their lives. They were ministering to the Lord and they were taking time to fast. 1 Peter 2.5 says that we are living stones being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. These men in Antioch were devoted to serving the Lord and they took time to fast and seek Him. And it wasn't unusual for them to hear from the Holy Spirit. Do you ever wonder why you might not be hearing from the Holy Spirit? Could it be that the things of this world have distracted us from hearing Him? Could it be that maybe we aren't really devoted to ministering to the Lord? When was the last time you didn't eat for a whole day for the purpose of seeking the Lord in prayer? I really believe that if we would stay focused on ministering to the Lord and we would spend some time fasting now and then, that we too would be more apt to hear from the Holy Spirit. But it's very easy to become complacent and just get into your routine. And all of a sudden you don't realize it, but you're simply part of a religion. You go and you you sit in a pew and you listen to a man teach And you get up and you might have some cookies and donuts or something and you leave. Then what are you doing the rest of the week? How are you using the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life? There's nothing wrong with sitting down and listening to a man teach. But you need to be active and whoever is teaching you needs to be exhorting you in a way that gets you to live. That gets you to start a Bible study in your home. It gets you to go out and, and, and reach your community the people on your street. We have to be careful that we don't build our facilities and and we say, come on, everybody, let's just all come here and gather. And, And it's just a place where we grow stagnant and spiritually dry. Instead, we need to be reaching out to others in love. You may have the gift to, to teach yourself. 
And, and you may have the gift to, to uh, go out and evangelize and reach others. But how do you know if all you do is go and sit in a pew? But you never step out by faith. And you never take time to minister to the Lord and to fast and to seek Him for your own spiritual gifts. Okay, so verse 3 goes on to say, Then having uh, fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. So here again we see John Mark being mentioned with Barnabas and Saul. Now, verse 6 says, When they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. So this here is pretty cool. Here's this man, Sergius Paulus, who was the proconsul. Now, in those days, the Roman provinces were divided into two classes. There were areas that needed soldiers on duty all the time, and there were areas that did not. The ones that had the soldiers were ruled by the emperor, and the one that did not have the soldiers were governed, governed by the senate and ruled by by the people that had the title of proconsul. So here's Sergius Paulus. He's one of those proconsuls. And he had a sorcerer that worked for him. But Sergius had a desire to hear the word of God, and this sorcerer wanted to interfere with him hearing the word of God. Verse 8 says, But Elimus, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith, you know, Satan still uses people like this today. Unfortunately, it could be family. It could be friends, or it could be just an acquaintance. But it's just someone that's desirous to stop you from growing in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. And they come along and they try to persuade you not to go in that direction. Not long after I came to the Lord, someone very close to me came along and told me that I should have came to them first before going and becoming born again, they told me. They told me that I didn't need a crutch. They could have helped me through all the problems I had. I didn't have to become this radically saved, born again person. But you know, it's not always a physical person or a thing that Satan will use to distract you from the things of God. There are many Christians today that are not desirous to hear the word of the Lord personally. They don't want the Holy Spirit to tell them to move. So instead, they create their own little box that God fits into. And as a result, they dry up spiritually, and they're not hearing from the Holy Spirit. And time goes by and all of a sudden they wonder why they're so spiritually dry. It's because they're not doing anything. They're not willing to move. They're not willing to exercise. They just want to sit in a pew and get fat listening to someone else teach the Word of God. 
They themselves don't study it. They themselves are not reaching out to others. And any one of us can fall victim to that at any time. We, any one of us can dry up spiritually by just getting out of the Word of God for a little bit or putting ourselves in a, a little religious box where we do the same thing week after week, but there's no spiritual growth. And maybe in a spiritual sense, there is a sorcerer that has come into your life and distracted you from the things that the Holy Spirit has for you. You may need to get rid of that thing. And you may need to get rid of some people in your life. And you may need to start seeking God with all your heart that you might know what the Spirit of the Lord desires for your life. This sorcerer was used by Satan to keep Sergius Paulus from knowing the Lord. But did it work? Look at verse 9. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, Oh, full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. You see, the Lord desires for us to walk in righteousness, but there is an enemy of righteousness that desires to pervert the straight ways of the Lord. Paul dealt with this enemy, and we need to deal with this enemy also. There is a spiritual realm. Spiritual warfare does exist, and we need to take it seriously. Faith is described in the Bible as something that we need to fight for. If you are not actively ministering to the Lord, which I believe includes fasting from time to time, then don't be surprised if you're not hearing from the Holy Spirit. Satan is actively attempting to distract you with the things of this world. He desires to keep us blind to the things of God, but we have weapons to fight against this. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. You see, we are to cast down anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And we cannot be focused on the man-made stuff and, and be hearing from the Holy Spirit at the same time. Sergius Paulus had a desire to hear the word of God, and that is where our desire should be also. But we must also be conscious of the fact that Satan uses whatever he can to keep us focused on other things. So what happened with the proconsul? Look at verse 12. Then the proconsul believed. When he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. You see, it wasn't the teaching of Paul and Barnabas. It was the teaching of the Lord. It was the Holy Spirit that works, that was working in the heart of Sergius Paulus. And it was the Holy Spirit that brought Sergius Paulus to a place where he was eager to know the Lord. And the Lord is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. 
Think about this. If you had to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, if you're, if you're a Christian and you're listening to this podcast, you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, and you had to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you be in terms of your devotion to the Lord? Now, I'm not talking about works. I'm not talking about you doing this or that, but I'm talking about your heart being completely surrendered to the Lord and devoted. Now, you know, the dictionary defines devotion as love, loyalty, or enthusiasm for a person, activity, or cause. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how much love, loyalty, or enthusiasm do you have for the Lord? I really encourage you to minister to the Lord. Worship the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm taking that encouragement to heart myself right now because it's the same for all of us. I'm not in a position above anyone else just because I get on a podcast and teach or just because I stand before a congregation and teach. No, we all must die to ourselves daily, take up the cross, realize that we have been crucified with Christ and that we no longer live, but that it's Christ that lives in us. And we live this life that we now walk around in the flesh. We live it by faith in him who loved us. You see, he gave himself for us. He surrendered all that we might have eternal life, that we might have abundant life, that we might be followers of Jesus Christ. And if you're listening and you've not surrendered your life completely to the Lord, then today is the day of salvation. Simply get on your knees. I don't need to lead you in this. You've heard the word. If you're listening to this podcast and you're not saved, you haven't been born again, then it's the Holy Spirit that's brought you here. Simply get on your knees and surrender your life completely to Jesus Christ. We don't surrender our lives to other men. We don't surrender our lives to religions and churches. We're surrendering our lives to a living and risen Savior. He's alive and well. He desires to work within your life. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. When we get together next time, we'll go ahead and finish up with Acts chapter 13. God bless.